This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Capitol Hill police made prime spots in the news in the last couple of weeks for all the wrong reasons. Because of failures that worsened the riot situation in early January, suddenly everyone is examining it. My next guest has studied the strengths and shortcomings of the Capitol Hill police since way before the riots. We welcome Demand Progress Policy Advisor Amelia Strauss. Ms. Strauss, good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Tom. So give us a sense of the size and scope and the cost of the Capitol Hill police. It's not a trivial thing, is it? Yeah. You know, before a few weeks ago, I would say it was the largest police force you've never heard of. Their budget is $515 million, about half a billion. They employ 2,300 folks. And their jurisdiction, with all of those resources, it's less than two square miles. That said, they have the crucial mission of keeping the Capitol complex safe and open for business, and that includes members, employees, staff, and visitors. All right. And you also have looked into the transparency of the oversight, whether the reports are available, whether the complaints reporting that they received are made available to the public, and they don't operate exactly in broad daylight, do they? Right. And I should just add to my earlier point, Capitol Police was not always such a monstrous department. Right now, in terms of staff, they rank in the top 20 municipal departments nationally. In terms of their budget, they can compete with places like Austin, Texas, Detroit. But back in 1995, over 25 years ago, they were just 3% of the legislative branch budget. Now it's almost 10. So with that increase in spending, there needs to be transparency and accountability. The issue is there's not. The reason, Capitol Police is a unique department. It's not just a regular security force. It's not a police department. It's not a legislative branch agency. It's all three of these things together, which means certain oversight rules that these different types of entities usually comply with might not apply or the department can circumvent these. So the issue we've seen is, in terms of transparency, back in 2018 when I started looking into the department, they had 10 to 20 press releases on their website, and that was pretty much the only information that was publicly available. On top of that, information in those press releases didn't match press reporting. For example, the number of people arrested at a given protest would say 300 in the Washington Post and 200 from Capitol Police. So that's pretty murky in terms of how they're using these vast resources. Since then, there's been some small improvements. Starting in December of 2018, they started posting weekly arrest summaries about incidents, but only after prodding from overseers in Congress and civil society. That wasn't something they proactively chose to do. Just give us a sense, too, by the way, of how far out from beyond the Capitol Hill does their jurisdiction extend? Yeah. So for this is going to be for D.C. locals. I'm not sure it will mean much to other folks, but it goes all the way up to uh, H Street and Union Station on the north. It goes down to Navy Yard in the south, out to Eastern Market in the east. And to the west, it goes to about Third Street, so the highway that runs through there. Yeah, so that's probably maybe a fifth of the city almost. Maybe not quite that much. Maybe a, probably about yeah, a tenth of the city. Yeah, it's a little less than two square miles. So I can't say for sure what the area of D.C. is off the top of my head. But well, originally it was 100 square miles. Now it's, you know, the piece that went off to Virginia. So it's something, in, I guess, around 60 square miles. So uh, after right. 1848. All right. <laughs> and um, in your opinion, the way it operates somewhat secretly Yes. Let's get to the point of January 6th. How do you think that situation got to the point where it was so overwhelmed? I mean, we were, yeah. it's trickling out bit That's by the bit. To put a point on the transparency, FOIA doesn't apply to Capitol Police. So we don't know what kind of preparations were going into January 6th. What I do know, I've learned from amazing reporting by the press. I have not learned this from the department directly, but... The department was aware of threats. There was an internal intelligence memo going around a couple of days before 
but the National Guard request for standby was rebuffed. So in other words, this kind of event was foreseeable. I'm not in the intel community, and my colleagues and I were talking about it a year ago, what happens if Trump loses and his supporters show up and they're armed at the Capitol. So that's part of the issue. And then the other thing is um, we're seeing disparate application of the vast resources the department has. As I mentioned at the top, huge resources. This wasn't a money issue. This wasn't a manpower issue. The reports I've seen is that they had a standard number of police come to work that day, as opposed to Black Lives Matter's protests over the summer following the murder of George Floyd. It was all hands on deck, according to quotes from officers, I think, in BuzzFeed News. So this wasn't a money issue. It wasn't a resource issue. It was a communication and transparency issue. I can't go into more detail because, as I mentioned before, it's really hard to get information about the department operations. I'm hoping investigations by overseers will bring some of these issues to light because that's the only way we can improve and ensure that our legislature stays safe. We're speaking with Amelia Strauss, policy advisor with Demand Progress. And over the years, the Capitol Hill police has been plagued with occasional reports of sexual misconduct, unequal treatment of uh, women and people of color coming up through the ranks. And my question is, why doesn't Congress, which states its care for these types of issues in every other federal agency and every other part of American life, not look what's going on in its own half-billion-dollar police force? Right. That's a great question, Tom. And to some members of Congress's credit, they have started looking at these issues. The Legislative Branch Appropriations Committee, which funds the department, had a bunch of transparency initiatives, including reporting around race and ethnicity demographics within the department in the last appropriations bill. Over in the Committee on House Administration, which also authorizes the department, there has been an oversight hearing which brought a lot of these issues to light. Uh, For example, the union chair for the Capitol Police presented proof that there's disparate discipline within the department against women and people of color compared to their white colleagues. On the Senate, we haven't seen the appetite for this kind of reform. I think what's starting in the House is great, but it needs to keep moving forward. I also highly recommend Dr. James Jones' most recent article in the Daily Beast. It really goes through these issues at the department and what's necessary. Yeah, what reforms are necessary? Publication of information is the first step. I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but transparency is not just for transparency's sake. You can't fix a problem if you don't know what's going on. The department publishes complaint information against employees. Most of those complaints come from within the department, but you don't get any other information about what the complaints are about. Based on the where there's smoke, there's fire kind of theory, I would imagine there's some racial discrimination and gender discrimination issues within those complaints. I would love to see more details published with those complaints so we can figure out what the issues are and how to proceed. There also needs to be accountability at the top. Management needs to be held accountable both for their actions and the people who report to them. There has to be a zero tolerance policy for this kind of racial and gender based discrimination behavior. Well, I guess maybe now is about the best time or the best opportunity for these kinds of reforms to happen at all if they're going to, because haven't they had some decent chiefs that have tried to reform things? Yeah, you know, this has been an issue from chief to chief. I applaud Congress for holding leadership accountable and clearing house, but that's not the answer here. This has been an issue for decades. So what we see when that is the case is that it's a structural problem. It's not necessarily just an individual or a bad actor. Here's my takeaway. What we want is a safe legislature, an open legislature. That includes the officers themselves. The Capitol Police needs to be taking responsibility for its management. And a great way to do that is communicating with the public, being transparent about what's happening. So as many smart minds as possible can say, hey, what do we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Amelia Strauss is a policy advisor with Demand Progress. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. 
As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.